This is Y-Tune Shuffle. Y-Tune Shuffle, it's the music that informs our lives. The rules here are that there are no rules other than just bring in your music, mm. hit play. And then we get to pick your brain about why those songs. Welcome to Y-Tune Shuffle, a celebration of the music that inspires our lives. With your host, comedian and radio personality Maggie Mayfield and Hollywood's secret weapon, David Earl Waterman. This is Y-Tunes Shuffle. You're very, very talented comedian, and I've seen many, many times. You're from San Diego, and every year That's we right. do a show down there with the Coo Groove Comedy, giving her a nice little shout-out, and just hilarious. So you're from San Diego. How did you get to L.A.? Um, well, uh, actually, I got in trouble. Uh, <laughs> I, got, I, I, I was living with my mother, and uh, I got in trouble. I got caught smoking marijuana, mm. and my mother kicked me out of the house. And when I was 17... I was a high school senior and she kicked me out. My last year was horrible. And I moved up to Orange County. And then I started doing theater up there. And from there, I got my first professional kind of acting job in a summer stock thing. And from there, me and one of the girls in the show, we moved up to L.A. to be stars. Yay. Do you remember your first comedy open mic? <laughs> I started with a class actually. So yeah, the first time I actually performed on a stage, this place is closed now, but it was the improv in or was it the comedy store? It was the comedy store in Westwood. They used to have a they used to have one in Westwood and yeah. I performed there. Yeah, I, I definitely remember the Westwood comedy store. Yeah. Yeah, when I started doing comedy, I was pregnant. No way. Yeah, I got this. I, well, I had done a lot of acting, and I was in a sketch comedy group, and um, I decided I wanted to try it on my own, you know? So um, I was pregnant, and so our group broke up, and I said, you know what? I'm going to try it. Yeah. And the night I actually had my daughter, nine months pregnant, I was on stage at the Laugh Factory. I got off stage. It was about 11.30. My water broke. I had my daughter at... Like four in the morning, like within two hours, I was like, I had given birth to her. You are such a badass. Oh my God. I do. The first night of stand up comedy, <laughs> you also gave birth? Um, yeah, my daughter, maybe she came out to the applause, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah. but, but the curtain is rise, you know, the water is. <laughs> that is so great. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, tell, I, I always know uh, what night she was born because uh, it was on a Tuesday night. So it was really awesome. Wow. Yeah, I just got this the surge of creativity and I just had to let it out even though I was pregnant I was just like I got to do this yeah it changes it's really weird it changed me because before you know I was you know I wanted to be successful but then when you're pregnant you feel like oh I'm doing this for someone else besides me and it changed my whole thing it made me more free and ambitious I think so yeah and you're very funny and obviously your talent shines through because you have worked for some pretty incredible companies, the Disney channel. Was that your, was that your first writing, like big professional writing gig? No, my very first one was for oxygen actually. Um, um, do you remember when oxygen first launched? It was in 1999. Well, actually they launched in 2000. And if you remember, it was the network started by and run by all women. Mm-hmm. It was Oprah Winfrey, Geraldine Laybourne, and Marcy Carcy. And um, they were heavy hitters in Hollywood at the time. Marcy Warner Productions. Marcy. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Carcy Winner did Roseanne and a bunch of other TV shows. And oh. so these three power, powerful women uh, started a network called Oxygen. And I was just reading the Los Angeles Times, and there was a whole article about it, how they were doing 
12 original programs on the Sunset Gower lot. And they mentioned some of the shows and there was a couple I thought I would be perfect for. And I had no agent, no nothing. I just said, I, I want to write, I'm writing on one of these shows. And so I literally called the gate and I said, could you put me through to someone, you know, at uh, one of these shows? And I got through, I ended up sending a sample and I got called and hired. That's oh my God. <laughs> Can you believe it? I, yeah, was so I, believe it. I was just like, what is it? I'm going to put in a sample. And uh, I ended up getting hired and they hired me back for the second season. It was a show called uh, I've Got a Secret, which was a, a remake of an old game show from the 50s mm-hmm. or 60s. And uh, our version, um, it's it's like a celebrity panel. So we, our hostess was a woman, and she still works today, is Stephanie Miller. Oh, she's God. A, yeah. So she's the host of our show. And then we had celebrity uh, guests. You know, we had celebrity, you know, they helped guests. And uh, that was Terry Garr. So I got to work with Terry Garr. Wow. Um, Jim J. Bullock was one of them. Um, house a bunch of people you know but the regulars were jim j bullock and uh terry gar and then we'd have people come on and they try to guess what their secret was what their occupation was or whatever they had wow so um i got to write skits so they had the game show aspect is someone comes on and they have a secret the celebrity panelist tries to guess by asking questions what their occupation or secret is right Mm -hmm. and between that in the setup they had comedy bits and so they hired me to write the comedy bits oh my gosh wow and so i got to write for phyllis diller and i got to write comedy bits and also because i was doing stand-up i started stand-up in 93 I had remembered all my friends that were stand-ups that were really funny and maybe they stood in their own way or they didn't, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, a lot of people that are talented and maybe they haven't made it. So we were an after show. So I hired like probably 20 comics or more to do skits on the show. names of your contemporaries that kind of came on board with that first question. Then I got a follow-up one for you on this whole deal. Uh, What do you mean? Like uh, other writers at the same time? Some of your fellow comedian friends that you hooked up with work on the show. Oh, okay. Well, um, Karen Wyeth, um, Avi Lieberman, uh, Chris Penzel. I mean, I can't even remember. I have to think now. But yeah, a ton of people. And I would write things just for people, too. Yeah, you took your friends with you on this this adventure. And my sense is that your inspiration to go ahead and call Radford, I say this only because I've done crazy stuff like that before. It's not the norm. Most actors would not have the cojones to call right, the right. gate at Radford and say, listen, I need five minutes. This is who I am. Was this something out of the ordinary for you? Or is it kind of the story of your life that this is how you are? No, no, it was very out of the ordinary. It's just when oh. I read that that article, I just thought something just came over me that I have to be part of this. It was such a revolution. And, you know, plus, well, even now, Maggie, you know, it's it's just a boy's world out there in stand-up, you know. And when I, I would only been in stand-up like seven years at that point, but I always admired the stand-ups that were writers, too. And that was kind of my goal. I wanted to write on the TV show. And you did. And do stand-up. So yeah. I just, I just, yeah. And then something happened to me at the comedy store in like 99 that made me think, oh, I can really do this, so. Well, you can't just stop there. What happened? <laughs> Uh, okay. All right. All right. So um, there was, there's, there still is, there's a, I won't mention his, the person's name, but there's a very famous comic there. He used to have a relationship with Mitzi Shore and he's still there. And he likes to do political comedy. 
so at that time it was like 99 he got uh to make a pilot called off the hip it was supposed to be kind of like a precursor to like bill maher it was like going to be like a, a political comedy show mm-hmm. so i asked him if i could submit some jokes you know because mm-hmm. i'd been writing jokes the los angeles times had this section called laugh lines and you could write jokes and they'd give you 25 bucks if they put it in the paper right oh, so, cool. yeah. uh, um, so i asked this person if i could write jokes and they said sure send it to my manager so i sent about 15 jokes to the manager and um i didn't hear back after a week and then one day i'm reading the los angeles times the laugh lines because i write jokes for it and there's one of my jokes with that comic's name under it no word for word no no yes. oh, did you but confront you... this comic? yes but you and so immediately i called up the manager i had the paper i copied the paper i copied the you know, I faxed in, so the paper's all weird. So I had the copy of the joke I wrote, the newspaper. I mean, within two seconds, the manager was on the phone. Going, oh. oh, you know, I don't know, but, you know, da, 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 you know, like backtracking. And then, like, five minutes later, this person called me, this comic called me. And he said, um, oh, you know, I write for a bunch of newspapers, and I have an assistant. So that was probably one of her jokes. I thought that was one of her jokes. So even then, he's not writing his own jokes for, you know. Anyway, two days later, in an envelope, I saved it. Thanks for the joke and a $100 bill. <gasps> wow. From the com- from the comic that... Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. As if and the letter said thanks for the joke as if I sold it to him. Well, I mean, you did because right. he gave you 100 bucks, so... Yeah, but the, but my that's what changed everything for me because I thought if I'm good enough to steal from, I'm good enough to work. Yeah, like it made me so positive. Like you know, yeah. if I'm good enough to steal. I'm definitely good enough to get on the show. Yeah, oh, I love that outlook. I love that attitude. That's amazing. And that's that's what spurred me with that oxygen thing. It was like, you know what? I'm going to show them that I can do it. Yeah. So wow, what a great story. Well, you have five incredible songs, and I can't wait to dive in to find more about you and what makes you. Okay. You. So, Jen Valley, this is your song number one. Hey, dude. I love it. Amazing, Have you heard that song before? Martha Hoople? Absolutely. I got it later in life. Like, I came to me in the 90s. Funny yeah, enough. I got it later too. And that song in particular was written by David Bowie, everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, I think the lead guitar player in that band, uh, Ian something, was played guitar for David Bowie. So that song reminds me of like ninth and 10th grade in San Diego. It's with all my friends. We used to sing that song out loud every time we heard it. And we'd be, you know, dancing around. And I just love it so much. It reminds me of San Diego and being young and free and having fun. And who was your best friend? Party. Who was your best friend in ninth and tenth grade in San Diego? Do you remember? Um, Chris Anderson was my best friend. Uh, she lived in the same uh, condo complex with me, and uh, we used to get in a lot of trouble together. What? Uh, like a lot what? Of trouble. Like- okay, here's one. Of, we and we were lucky too. So when we we were fifteen. <laughs> Uh, we decided to take her dad's car. Neither one of us had a license or really knew how to drive. So they had the big station wagon, and uh, we decided we're just going to go driving around, you know. So, and did you get she co- steals the keys? She steals the keys from her dad, 
and we're just driving around. And I don't know if she's a good driver or not, but we're driving, you know. And all of a sudden, we get pulled over by the cops. <gasps> and I'm like, oh, well, that's it. We're in trouble. <laughs> that's it. We're in trouble. We get pulled over. The cop comes up to the window. And we probably look like we're 12 years old, you know. So the cop comes up to the window. And just as he comes up to the window, a car pulls up to the policeman and says, that guy just hit and ran. Go get him. And the cop ran away. And it was just like, what? What just happened? Luck. <laughs> Oh my god. That's like a great movie scene where you know the it's like that's like that's a perfect 80s teen movie yeah. scene that way. Ferris Bueller. Oh, it was so it was just like what really? We just got away with this. And did, that was that was a close call. Did you go home immediately after that? Uh yeah, we did. Yeah. We did. We thought we better take the car back. Don't take chances. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, you ever... dodge that ball? But as you had said earlier, one of the catalysts or the jumping off points of your career was when mom was like, no, we in the house, get out. Yeah. What, what, what was one thing that you can recall, if possible, that you did get caught for that you really like? I mean, I have my big bust. What one do you think? You, you okay, well, this is the thing that kind of set it off into motion where she finally kicked me out was um, it was homecoming. And uh, that's always in October, right? Mm -hmm. So I went to Madison High in San Diego and they had like a field behind the bleachers. So me and Chris Anderson, we went to the liquor store and we had uh, 58 cents and that's how much it was for a quart of beer. <laughs> so we stood outside the liquor store and we would ask people, usually men, would you buy us a quart of beer? <laughs> and we'd give them the money and they did. So um, we had a quart of beer and we were in the car behind the bleachers and we were in the car and we were drinking beer and we were smoking a joint and all of a sudden cop lights came up behind us and we were caught that time. And uh, they were nice enough to take us home. So my mom had to answer the door with the cops there. They didn't arrest <laughs> but your bad girl. They let me off with a warning and that was... Uh, didn't make my mother happy. Wow. What, was it, was it uh, your mom and you, or who was all in the house? Like, what was the household? Was oh, yeah, it was my mother and my sister. So, um, yeah, I was uh, I was the bad girl. My sister's the good girl. <laughs> was she younger or older? Yeah, yeah, and she's she's now doing a big old job. I should call her and see what she's up to. She works, uh, she's a pathologist, runs the uh, electron microscope at UCSD. She runs about five labs, so I'm sure she's very busy right now. <laughs> oh, I bet. Just trying to yeah. save the world. No big deal. Yeah. What's your big What? What do you do? Just like being comics, very important too. It, it right? is. Yeah. Yes, it's very important. We're saving the world in our own way. We make people feel better too. Yeah, the, the laughter is the best medicine. Actually, that's what I've heard. <laughs> do you have a bust, Maggie, from your high school days, or a bust from high school? No, I was annoyingly good. That's fine. That's yeah. that happens. Yeah. Were you a cheerleader? No, I wanted to be. I auditioned, and um, I don't know why they didn't. I didn't. Nope, I was not I auditioned. Yeah, I tried out too, and I didn't get it. But I still went to all the football games. So you know, with the team, the mm -hmm. the war. <laughs> I made the football team, but I swear oh. to God, I used to motivate my my fellow players uh, by doing the cheerleader songs. And it worked out. This is a true story. Um, there was one cheer that I just really loved, and we'd we'd be like in in the bus going to a game, and I and uh, the cheer was like 
feed them, bust them. That's our custom. Go red. That's but I great. added to it. And on the bus, I went, feed them. And then we'd all pound the back seat of the bus. And the guys on the team would go, bust them. And then we'd pound the seat twice. And then we'd all in chorus go, that's our custom. And it was going along fine until Coach Stanton, I remember it like perfectly when it kind of got into his head like, wait one fucking minute. That's a cheer that the cheerleaders are doing. <laughs> humiliated me. I was, woman, what are you, a cheerleader? Drinking like, <laughs> and like, this guy's got no like fusion whatsoever when it comes yeah. to that. What but position did you play? My quick bus story. Yeah. I was kicked out of I think we're the same. I class of 83, 1983 graduate. Oh, okay. Um, I got booted from school for 45 days suspension for smoking weed in the bathroom. And my dad was the director of health education and the athletic director. Oh my gosh. So, at the same school? Yeah, at the high school I went to. And so oh. um, on like day 30, I needed a new pair of shoes. Uh, and my dad's like, listen, I'm going to leave you my Chevy Blazer. I'm going to leave you a check for a pair of shoes. You go up to the mall today, get your shoes and come right back to the house. Cause I was on, I was quarantined at that time for the 45 days. So I'm pulling out of my house. I see my, my weed buddy, Claire Irvin. He waves me down. Oh, cool. You got your dad's blazer. Let's go four wheeling. We got that thing, we got that thing stuck in the snow. We needed a tractor, a truck, and finally a snowplow to pull us out. And I gave the guy who had all this equipment, it was a farmer, I, I signed the check over to him. And like three months later, my dad's like, what the fuck happened to this check? Who's Randolph Towing Company? And that was oh, the beginning man. of the history. 17 as well. 17 as well. What yeah. a delayed response. <laughs> three months later, they figured out. You thought, oh, I got away with it. No big deal. Well, like, that's the old days when they're doing Yeah, yeah. it was horrible. Yeah. Funny. Wow. Right. I love so, Maggie, it. you were totally good girl in high school, huh? I was annoying in that sense, yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, my my boyfriend. I didn't I didn't get a driver's license till I was, I didn't drive a car till I was twenty, because my boyfriend in high school drove and he would take me to school and I babysat and like I worked to make my own money to go on these choir retreats. It was really, ugh, goody goody. Yeah, I don't. You know what's funny is like my mom smoked pot in the house when I was younger and I mean she still does, but I didn't know. I thought it was just cigarette smoke. And so the routine in our house was like I would take a shower at night. So I could sleep in a little bit longer and then everyone else would get up and hustle and bustle while I'd be resting and um, get ready and then go. So my mom would smoke weed and I'd walk into school and everyone's like, why do you smell like pot? I'm like, I don't know. My mom smokes cigarettes. I don't know. And I told her that story. I told her that story years later in my mid 20s. And she was like, oh, my God, like mortified. She's like, I wish I would have known. I don't want to belabor this, Maggie. And, and and I don't think it's belaboring. I, I just I'm feeling guilty. Like I talk a lot sometimes in these interviews, Jen. And it's not about me, but I did work. I'm sober now because I went really way over the edge. And we used to do in this job, I had these these surveys, national surveys around, you know, drug use among teenagers. And most teenagers think that the lifestyle like smoking weed and getting in trouble is more common. But actually, it's Maggie's story that is that is more common. It's like somebody might dabble or have like one night, but the getting in trouble behind it is actually you're Maggie, you're more in 
the more common experience that high school students had. Well, it wasn't the cool, fun, interesting Y-Tune Shuffle story experience. <laughs> well, wow. we, were, we were the troublemakers. And here's the funny part. After my mother got, I got, you know, after the homecoming thing, my mother was just over it. And so she said, you're going to move in with your father. And I'm like, it's my senior year. She's like, yeah, I don't give a shit. So I moved to Orange County, a city called Fountain Valley, yeah, which was a, a, a new community. So it was like new homes everywhere. And... I went to my dad's and he lived on a cul-de-sac and right at the end of the cul-de-sac was the drug dealer for the high school. Oh my God. So it's like, it, it could have been more perfect. It's like, get away. And this guy was selling LSD. I wasn't even weed. So it was like, oh my God. It's like, what, why are you moving me here? So immediately we became friends. They had like a senior ditch day and everybody, we all did LSD and we're all at this house. And it's like my first or second week there. And all of a sudden at this party where everybody's like tripping, here comes the principal, the counselors, they got wind of where the party was and they just like stormed the party. And uh, I ran out the back and some girl was pulling me and I didn't get caught, but a bunch of the kids got caught. Like 20 of the kids that were there got caught. Wow. It was like a senior ditch day, you know? Wow. Well, wow. that's fun. So yeah. That was like within, like within two weeks of being kicked out for smoking weed, I was at a party tripping on LSD. It was like, oh my gosh. Thanks, mom. See what you did? See what you did there? Yes. <laughs> this is your fault. <laughs> I love that. And that's all from Monta Hoople. All the young dudes. That's all that reminds me of that time. Yeah. <laughs> Monta Hoople. And here's song number two. Here's it. Yep, song number two. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You wow expected this unlikely. that one is crazy and that one reminds me of when my uh, daughter was first born you know i was happily married and that was just a sweet song we would sing to the baby and it's just and we sang it to my second one too it's just a sweet song that the lyrics are very simple you are my sunshine it makes you cheer up just saying it you know yeah you are my sunshine, the only sunshine that's this very sweet sentiment you know i love it huh I have two daughters, yeah. Names? Uh, Miss Lauren and Miss Hannah, and they're both hunkered down in their own places. Uh, my uh, oldest, Lauren, is a, she works on a show called House Hunters. They shut down production. Wow. Um, yeah. Every TV show, everything is shut down right now. Yeah. I'm kind of wowing that she followed in mom's footsteps. Did both of your kids follow in your footsteps? Um, no, my other my other daughter works at the at the high school she went to. Uh, she's like a registrar or something, but so she's out of work too. Well, everybody's out of work, right? So mm. that's not a thing. Yeah, it's what Mother Nature's given us a timeout. And what is yeah, the... my in fact, my other daughter now just started doing stand up too. So it's like, hey, <laughs> don't do that. Were were they a handful growing up, or were they pretty well uh, buttoned they really down? Are, they were very very good. I mean, I had tr troubles with my ex-husband. That's the and norm. They, and we, we were like a team. We're the Valley Girls. So, yeah, we've always stuck together. And Miss Lauren, I never had to tell her anything. Anything. She did everything herself. All her homework. She was an wow. overachiever. You know, class perfect. Scholarships for everything. And now, now look, she's worked on working on TV since college. So Wow. They didn't, they, neither of them ever had a big bust moment with you? Um, like a fight? Or just like, like a bust. like a bust, they got caught doing something they shouldn't have been. No, no. In fact, my kids are very good. Mm. They're very good. I, like my daughter, my youngest doesn't like to drink, and she 
just started like she doesn't even like smoking she just if she wants to do something she'll do an edible and my old do you does stuff, do you ever like look up at the universe and you're like they're opposite of me they're yeah. opposite land of me. right I know. And that's always like a mother's curse. They're always like, I hope you have someone just like you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they're like, oh, God. I, and I didn't. I had really good kids. But I had a, I have a Dutch mother. And Dutch are known for being very cold and hands off. So I told my kids, I'm going to hug you every day and tell you I love you. You, you are know, my sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. You are my sunshine. Yeah. I, I Yeah, I can relate to that because Welsh, my, my family's Welsh and Dutch, Waterman. You know, it's a uh-huh. Dutch name, and 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 we just did not do the hugging thing growing up. I knew I was loved very much, but like hugging didn't happen to me until show business. Like after the first play, yeah, it wasn't a thing we did. Never in the home. Oh, there's yeah. no, there was no hugging. Wow, that was not a thing. We did. Wow. When was the last time you sang this song to one of your daughters? Oh my gosh, it's been many, many years. Yeah, never. I can't even remember it since so long since they were little babies. Since they're little baby girls. This song, last uh, our last guest um, played a baseball song and, and told a really touching story about his father and, and going through cancer and the song that kind of brought them together through baseball. And it reminded me of my grandpa Chet. And this song that you're bringing up also reminds me of my grandpa Chet. So I feel like the universe is like, hey, you need to check in somehow with your family. Um, but this was a song that when I was a baby, so my parents lived in Grandpa Chet's basement when I was uh, born. And um, when Grandpa was like, yeah, it's time to put Maggie down, that was the song that he would sing to me also. And for years and years, we had like a music box that played You Are My Sunshine in the house as well. So That's how it started too. We had a little Lammy toy that you wound up and it, yeah. it played You Are My Sunshine so you could just sing along to it. Yeah. So. Yeah. The Gene Autry we hear singing yeah, that's music. a gene autry version that's crazy yeah you said you said you like all the ver- you like i like most versions so i was like well, let's pick a let's pick one we don't hear from very often so oh yeah i like that i like gene autry yeah that would be Still that would be cowboy the singing cowboy singing cowboy now that's song number two should we drive into song number three yeah song number right. three here we go i left my heart in San Francisco. Tony Bennett, I left my heart in San Francisco. Song number three, Jen Valley. Why that song? Well, my mother's favorite singer was Tony Bennett. My mother just passed away, actually. So it has a lot of meaning for me. She loved Tony Bennett. And um, I'll never forget when we were really young, I was like, my sister was like eight and I was like 10. Um, Tony Bennett had an album coming out and he was going to a store. It was called White Front. And if you bought the album, he would sign it. It was going to be a sign, you know, he would sign it. So my mother put me and my sister in the car and drove down there, but we were a little late getting there. And she was like, oh no, I'm not going to get, you know, a signature. And as we're walking to the store, Tony Bennett is walking out with his manager or something and we stopped him and he signed the thing and he took a picture and my mother was like ah! it was just perfect timing and um so i've seen him in concert you know just out of i at her last years of her life she couldn't really do a lot so if he was ever in town i would do a concert i would go to his concerts he could sing he can hold a note for like two minutes that's one of the things he does in his act a man's like 90 years old and he can hold a note for two minutes and uh 
few years ago when I was working at the TV Guide channel, I think he's 90 now. So when he was 80, I was working at the TV Guide channel and I was a celebrity news producer, field producer. Mm -hmm. And we were doing a piece on Tony Bennett turning 80. You know, he had done a bunch of duets. You know, he'd done, I think his album was duets with, you know. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So I did it. I got to do an interview with him. Oh my God. And I got to tell him how much my mother loved him. I tried to tell him the white front story. I don't think he could hear me that well. He's like, what? what? You know, and I'm like, oh, never mind. You just meant a lot to me, you know? And he said my name like three times. He goes, oh. well, Jennifer. You know? And I was like, oh my God. So yeah. not only was he, you know, my mother's favorite singer, he became one of my favorite singers. And then I was lucky enough to get to interview him. So it was just a full circle. It was just fantastic. Well, they, they call me Hollywood's secret weapon because I like to insert myself into virtually anybody and everybody's story in some way, shape, or okay. <laughs> Open the door wide, Jennifer. And that is that probably about the time you were working for TV Guide or thereabouts, um, I was working for TNT Rough Cut as an entertainment reporter. Did you do the junkets at the Four Seasons? Oh, my God. I did junkets, red carpets, set visits. Uh, um, yeah, I that, did them all for like oh, six years. I was I was working the year that like Hard Rain came out with Morgan Freeman. I did uh, Roland Emmerich, Dean Devlin, um, Independence Day. It was maybe it was like the later '90s. What I loved that job. That was such. Oh, a- it's so great! Every day a different set. I interviewed every major star you could think of. People say, "Oh, have you ever met a movie star?" It's like I, I don't even want to go there because you know, like I interviewed Tom Hanks, Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro. Oh. You know, did you do the show West in Vegas by any chance? Did you do the show West where the, the, the music vendors, show West, Maggie, is where all the theater owners get together for a convention in Vegas and all the stars come out. It's just incredible. Yours was Tony Bennett. Mine was Lauren Bacall. She had done Dirty Old Men too with uh, <laughs> Jack Lemmon. Um, gosh, I can't remember. Walter Matthau. So uh, Lauren Bacall and I were sitting talking and I was just, not even nervous, and I usually was nervous doing that, but I did shake Lauren Bacall's hand and I asked her, would you, I was the last one of the day. I said, can I buy you lunch? And she said, no. But oh. it, you know, like, <laughs> the chance. But you're fine. Yeah. I, I love that, like he said- And I've got to tell you something. I named my daughter after Lauren Bacall. <gasps> oh my gosh. I loved her so much too. Is that what? What are you doing now? What? What are you still writing, producing? Yeah, I. Um, I. In fact, I start back. At, my boss called me yesterday, and he said we're starting back April sixth in the office. I'm like, okay, sure. Um, I write now uh, for the Game Show Network. Um, I did two shows last year called America Says and Catch Twenty One, and I'm going back to America Says on uh, April sixth. I love him. He's great. The host of America Says. He was nominated for a daytime Emmy, so I so I wrote on a show that was nominated for daytime. He didn't win, of course. You know why? Why? Because Alex Trebek. If he didn't win, people would be yeah. fighting in the streets. Yeah. Fans dying of cancer. You know. That's right. They, that always the ringer. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. All right. Well, let's move on now to song number four. Show, show, let it all Love it. Tears for Fears, Shout, making Shout. Jennifer I, Valley's I, I, fave five list. That, 
that is a very specific memory for me, very specific time. It was like 1986. I think it came out in 85 or 86. And uh, I had broken up with a long-term boyfriend. It was like the first time I was ever single. Ooh. And um, I had my own apartment. I was working. And I would drive down the road and throw that song on and just shout. I was free. I could do whatever I wanted. And I was. I was dating and you know acting and doing con- it was just fantastic what was your apartment yeah, like it, yeah lost has it lost its impact at all mm-hmm. no i i still when i hear that song it takes me right back to that time when i felt like i had like independence for the first time so like i don't know about you maggie but i didn't really live by myself for a long time i went from you know living with my parents to a roommate mm-hmm. to a boyfriend and then, you know, finally free. It was like, I'd never done that before. And it was just fantastic. That's amazing. Have you ever lived alone? Yeah, I, um, I, my career has been in radio broadcasting. And when you work in radio, you'd go where the jobs are. And a lot of times that was in the middle of nowhere. And so, yeah, I've had a couple apartments by myself, which have been great. And then... And then you move on because you get fired or the next big paying job comes yeah. along. And so... Yeah, there's one apartment I can think of specifically in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and it was $600 a month. And everyone was like, oh, my God, that's such an expensive apartment. But I was like, I just came from California and I was paying $1,200 a month. This is so inexpensive. And then it was a station called Cow 97. And they gave me a vehicle. They gave me a gas card and I could eat for free at a few specific restaurants. Right. Like I was wow. set. And this p- particular apartment um was right near the world's largest six pack. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, it's a six pack of beer, but that's where they brew. And it's, it was stinky. It smelled terrible. Like yeast. Yeah. Yep. All the time. Yep. Um, but man, what it was so fun. It was right downtown. And lacrosse is also known for having (laughs) the most bars per square foot. I think if not in all of Wisconsin in all of the United States, like it's just like some weird, not much to do but drink is that it is that people just love drinking and chiefs and packers and that's all you did in wisconsin so yeah and i could walk to all of them so yeah i love that apartment actually i remember yeah, my apartment go ahead yeah mine was like a, a like a triplex in like north hollywood and it was really nice too it was like my own place at a front door it was like when it was it had a not like a real apartment you know it had a front door and a back door and i had a dog and a golden retriever asia yeah asia was Named after Steel Dan song, Asia, AJA, of course. That's so cute. That's where I learned how to mow the lawn for the first time because it was actually a house converted into two apartments. So it was like one downstairs and the lady would mow the lawn um, down there. And then I had the upper apartment and um, she got some kind of drug doubt thing that happened. I'm not 100% sure, but she wound up leaving. Last we heard from her, she was in Southern California somewhere. So I'm just in this like apartment and the landlord's like, hey, can you mow the lawn? And I was like, I can try. But there's no YouTube. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's no YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I didn't know. I had to learn real quick when you hold the bars down. You had to hold the bar down the whole time to keep it going. <laughs> I had to. City girl had to learn real quick how to mow the lawn. But it's the same thing. Like, loved it. I absolutely couldn't get enough of it. I don't think I I don't think I've ever mowed a lawn. I have to be honest. I'm thinking about it. I don't think I've ever mowed a lawn. You guys have gardeners that come in and do this. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just yeah. put a thing on that. That's 
did you enjoy it, Maggie? Did you get into the strips being perfectly aligned as you went up and down? Or did you just like randomly go in circles? No, I kind of, tre- yeah, I treated it like it was this is silly, but I treated it like vacuuming the front yard, <laughs> you know? So I would do the stripes back and forth and then eventually wound up buying a home and it was, it had to be very particular. And so one, one week it would go horizontal and the next week it would go vertical. And so it was <sighs> yards. <laughs> I miss it, but I don't miss it. There's just some kind of, like you said, it's just that freedom of like, oh, I'm on my own. I'm responsible for this. This is my thing. And you take care. And it's just like, nobody will take care of it for you the way that you will. And yeah, it's it's that shout, that freedom that, ah. So. That was fantastic. Yeah. I want to share the nugget on this song because I think it's too important to just pass up because I never heard this before, but Tears for Fears the whole group loved this psychologist named Arthur Janov. And the song was actually inspired by his primal therapy treatment, which worked by just having his patients confront their fears by shouting or screaming. And actually, the name of the band Tears for Fears came from this psychologist book called Prisoners of Pain. Wow, that's wow. Cool. thank you so much. Well, I'm going to use that as a question on one of my game shows. There you go. I like it. Yeah. That's, yeah. 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 There. That's interesting because there is the primal scream. I have heard of that, you know, yeah. so that's kind of, they just took it and made shout. I love that. Right. Thank you for telling me that. Now I know. This show from, from our homes today, as people I think are aware of due to uh, our, our situation here in the world. And I don't know if people are aware of it, but you can primal scream into a pillow. <laughs> how that, I'm a little stressed. I'm a little anxious. Let's see how that sounds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant no, it, it really is i just let it all out all right i'm sad to That's say so good. this is your song number five beautiful girls all over the world i could be chasing but my time would be wasted they got nothing on you song well b.o.b bruno mars it's called nothing on you b.o.b surprising and that yeah. that came out in 2010 and that song reminds me of england both my daughters studied abroad in the uk and the first time was 2010 and my daughter was studying at the university of suffolk at brighton and that's like a beach town uh in south of england so I said, and I told my other daughter, I said, we're all going, we're going to help her check in, you know? So it was in the summer. So we went and I rented a house for three weeks, right in Brighton. Wow. And uh, a tiny little, like one of these apartments where it's like, you have to go down, you know what I mean? Like a basement apartment where the window, you can just see like people yeah. keep walking by. And um, I rented a car, stick shift on this side. The wrong side. Wow. Yeah, it's like, and with a stick shift too. So, um, and it was fantastic. My daughter uh, had a dorm there, but my other daughter and I, we traveled all over. We went to Holland to see some of my other family and uh, went to castles, ate fish and chips. (laughs) I went to, I even went, my kids were doing something one day. And so I decided to go to uh, parliament and I found out that you could go in and you can watch sessions 
So they have a, a viewing gallery. Now, a lot of people don't think, oh, how fun is that? It's like going to, you know, the Senate or something. So I thought that would be fantastic. So I went to Parliament and I went up to a viewing gallery and I saw them fighting over, you know, or arguing about some uh, bill that they wanted to pass. And then afterwards, the guard, his name was Barry, he asked me if uh, I would go out for a beer with him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I chickened out, I chickened out. I but anyway, because I was just like, you know, asking him, oh, what's going on? Tell me what's going on. So uh, that's how I spent an afternoon sitting in Parliament. That's what I used to watch Parliament. Um, and I love when they groan, like, the, my, yeah. my friend from Leeds who just said this is out of his mind if it's going to ever pass Parliament. Oh, they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very vocal, very emotional there. Not like, you know, yeah. So was I this song... Was this song just on the radio a lot, or I mean? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, so we had a little flat, and we had a TV, and uh, they didn't have a lot of channels. The one channel they had was called Vivo, and it's just a music channel, like you know, like MTV used to have music videos. Vivo has music videos, so that song was on constantly. So I got every time I hear that song, I think of the UK now. Uh, that's so cool. Because it was on the whole time, wow. every day. You would see DLB and, and Bruno Mars. Studying abroad, so. Yeah. Wow. You know, when I was, I was, I went to a pub, and uh, years ago, a friend of mine who uh, traveled with his parents there said, "Oh, you know what? Their hamburgers in London are made of actual ham. They're not like our, <laughs> you know, beef burger hamburgers." <laughs> And I was in a pub, and I and I I saw on the menu, you know, the bar menu. I said, "Oh, you got ham, you got hamburgers here." He goes, "Yeah, we got hamburgers." I said, "Um, right, now are they're 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 beef burgers, right?" Said, of course, the beef burgers. Yeah, it's a it's a hamburger. And I said, "Oh," and I didn't want to go into any detail. Yeah. And I was convinced, okay, I'm going to get a hamburger, which I wanted. And uh, after we'd gone through all that rigmarole, um, I I paused a minute and then I said to the guy, "Oh, oh yeah, by the way, well done." And he goes, "Thank you, sir." <laughs> 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 well done. Excuse me, I have a cough. They're so smart, even if they're dumb, they're way smarter than us. Their humor is amazing. I loved these songs and the stories that went with them. Jennifer Valley, thank you for sharing them. Before we wrap this up, we want to take a brain break and play a game called Band Name or Bar Name. So we'll let David Orwaterman take over from here. That's right, Maggie Mayfield. It's time once again for... Band name or bar name, the original game show brought to you by Y-Tune Shuffle, the <laughs> musical journey of our guests' lives. Jennifer, the way that this game show works is that I am going to travel somewhere in the world based on the suggestion of our last guest. Once I arrive to this location, I am going to search out the names of different local bands and the names of different local pubs. And the reason I say pubs is because, interestingly enough, our last guest asked us to go to Middleborough, England, in the north of England. So we're back in England. We can't get ourselves out of England. Now, the, the thing that you have to decipher, along with Maggie Mayfield, our amazing host, is to figure out which of the names I'm going to present to you is the name of the pub or is the name of the band that will be playing at the pub. So is it a bar name or is it a band name? Are you ready to play? I'm ready. I'm excited. Okay, ready to play. Okay, so we are uh, in north of, of, of England and, uh, at the cross, uh, <clears throat> in, in this particular area. And uh, I say to you and Maggie, hey, guess what? The Fleece. 
the fleece, like you would see on a, on a sheep or a, a woolen creature. The fleece are playing at Bees Make Honey. Oh my God. And Bees Make Honey has been around forever. Okay. Or we could just, I could just easily say, hey, mates, let's go and have a little bite to eat at Bees Make Honey because, oh no, I'm sorry. Let's go over to the fleece because tonight, Bees make honey are playing out live. Which one would it be? Which is the correct version? Is Bees Make Honey the name of the pub or the band? Or is Fleece the name of the pub or the band? Have I confused you completely at this point? <laughs> no. Okay, good. <laughs> I think, uh, do we take turns or? Yeah. No, I'm looking out I between the The name of the pub is Fleece and the band is Bees Make Honey. Oh, I was well, going to. You're a confident lass, you yeah. are. Well, she does work for the and Game they... Show Network. She's going to win this. Um, I was going to go the other way. I thought Bees Make Honey might be like a tea shop, and the Fleece was just a weird punk rock band. Well, um, you're both great players, but only one of you is actually <laughs> a full fledged winner. On is it a band name or is it a bar name? If we're at the Cross in Beverton, Evansham, W R L L 7 J E, United Kingdom. We'd be right in front of the Fleece Inn. The Fleece Inn is a wonderful gastro pub bar that's been around Yay! since the discovery. Nicely done. And uh, it might be Bees Make Honey. Dave Edmonds is listed or ranked nine on the list of the best pub rock bands. Uh, <laughs> Dave Edmonds, genre, blues rock, new wave, and pop music is the lead singer of Bees Make Honey. So the next time you're in Melborough, England, Check out the fleece and maybe Bees Make Honey will be playing. Thank you so much for playing, Jennifer. You are a winner. Yay, and for that, winner. Party, congratulations. Yay. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Your job now, Jennifer, is to take our next guest next week somewhere in the world where I can research the names of bars and local bands and play the game again. Well, since my mother, you know, and we, we've just been there, let's go with Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Fun. In the Netherlands. Amster, Amster. That was part of the song. Perfect. Thinking very hard. What is the memory of your very first concert experience? Um, I, in San Diego, they have this thing called the San Diego Bowl. I don't even know if it's still there. It was in Balboa Park. And it was kind of an amphitheater thing where you just stood around. And they were kind of having an oldies thing. And the first band I saw was called Fog Hat. They had a song called Take It Easy. Oh my God. Fog Hat. Fog Hat. <clears throat> wow. We uh we kind of we I think haunted the same corners of that generation. Yeah, yeah. Lady yeah. So Fog Hat was the first concert I went to. And uh it was at the Balboa Bowl. Do you remember who you went with? And I went with my then, of course of course yeah and my mother had to drive us and you know those days i don't even know how that even happened uh your parents would take you somewhere drop you off and somehow you found them and you got to ride home right you know yeah. you couldn't tell them we're done you just kind of like yeah, i'll be over in two hours i guess you know yeah i'll meet and you here at nine fifteen. yeah most of our guests their first concert was with a parent mine was not you know 19 yeah mine wasn't either yeah, I love my that. kid's first concert was with me. I took him to uh, see the All That show. Oh my God, that's amazing! Oh. I love that yeah, show. And that was like, he didn't 
That was Keenan and Carol. Yes. And they love this band called Bewitched. And they were playing. Yeah. Uh, it's an all-girl band. So, yeah. They oh, neat. Their first con- what about yeah. the last music experience you had? Oh, let me think. Let me think. Um, Those are always harder. <laughs> I know. Well, my kids took me for Mother's Day, I think, last year to see ELO because I was in love with ELO. Cool. Yeah, That's every song, you know, at the Hollywood Bowl, it was fantastic. What a great venue. I love that. Yeah, cool. I know. I'm sure that's close too, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah, although it's a park, so if you wanted to, you could, like, hike the stairs right now. Oh, yeah, because when I worked at TV Guide, it was right down there. We used to do that sometimes. We'd just walk in because yeah. it's right down the street. Yeah. Well, Jennifer Valley, thank you for sharing your songs and your time and your energy. What's your corner of the internet? How do we keep up with all the amazing stuff that you're working on? Okay, well, here's all my, uh, my name is Jennifer Valley, and that's spelled V-A-L-L-Y, no E in Valley. So I'm that, at Jennifer Valley on Facebook and Twitter. On Instagram, I'm at Jen Valley, because there was already a Jennifer Valley. I don't know who it was. Without an E. Without an E. Well, someone not as cool or important. (laughs) And, and right now, while I have all this time off, I'm building a website. I know I'm going to have to call someone tomorrow because I'm like at a roads where I'm like, oh, I don't know how to do something. But yeah. do you have a, ma- a website, Maggie? I do. MaggieMayfield.com. No E on Maggie. Oh. No E's in yeah. our names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What about you? Do you have a, Dave, do you have a website? No, I have a sandwich board that I wear around uh, Venice <laughs> Beach that has all of my sandwiches. <laughs> it's got tin cup, and I, uh, I kind of go around and offer my services that way. I, you know what, I was, all kidding aside, uh, our friend Quentin Flynn, who was on a couple of weeks ago, uh, he has found that I actually have three websites, none of which are similar in any way, except the content varies kind of similar. So I've, I've created them, but then I forget about them. And, and I gotta, I gotta get, oh. well, we got nothing but time in our hands. Jennifer Valley, this has been so fun. If you are in the Los Angeles area, I can't recommend enough. Come catch her uh, at a show locally or anywhere that she's touring, and you will not be disappointed. It'll be money well worth spent. And, of course, David Earl Waterman, a.k.a. Hollywood Secret Weapon. I'm so grateful that we're still able to do this, even under quarantine, right? Music is going to save us all, I think. You do this together because this worked out fantastically. Yeah, this is great. Thank you. I've been Maggie Mayfield, your host. And if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, and share. We're on all the social platforms at Y-Tunes Shuffle. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Y-Tunes Shuffle.